lot of NBA today on the pod. We're going to go over the biggest offseason storylines to try to make sense of the first week of a bunch of rumors with a bunch of names attached to it. We'll do that with Sarudi as well. And Bobby Portis, NBA champ on his championship season and a big free agency decision looming in life advice. It's the Ryan Russillo podcast presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA final starts now and FanDuel is the best place to get in on the action right now. You can check out the new and improved quick bets, which are back and better than ever for the NBA playoffs and FanDuel. Find what you're looking for faster and easier with more props right at your fingertips. You can check out live bets like three-minute markets and exclusive live bets like quarter player props, player assist combos, and more. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming, so please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 and older. 18 plus in DC and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler or visit rg help.com. This episode is brought to you by Arby's. $5 doesn't get you what it used to get you. I asked for change the other day. The guy gave me back four. Introducing Arby's new two for $5 chicken wraps. In your choice of ranch, barbecue, honey mustard, and a bonus flavor called Incredible Value. Ever heard of it? You can't taste it, but boy, is it sweet. Arby's two for $5 chicken wraps are here for a limited time at participating locations. Visit an Arby's near you or order ahead on the Arby's app. Today's open is a simple headline. The NBA's biggest offseason stories in no particular order of importance, but I'm trying to figure out which the biggest ones were because we had a bunch of uh, cannon fire over the weekend. Bunch of shots, bunch of news up in the air. And I want to put them all together. Again, the ones that seem like they're the most important. And then we're going to kind of sift through them. And Saruti's going to jump in a little bit later. All right. So we'll see if I leave out anything here, too, which is always a possibility. I'm going to start with the Lakers, not because it's the most important, because they're associated with the most players. Over the weekend, I've read they have interest in Chris Paul, Russell Westbrook, Kyle Lowry, DeMar DeRozan, Damian Lillard, Spencer Dinwiddie, Buddy Heald, um, and Pat Mahomes, which I don't know how he would fit, but it makes sense. Talented player. Uh, but that's what, how it works. I mean, it's the Lakers, first of all. Magic Johnson just tweeting out left and right about Chris Paul. I think Magic Johnson was the source on a bunch of this stuff. And like that's just a weird dynamic with this team. It's not that bad, right? It doesn't prevent you from winning. It's still Magic Johnson. But like, there's a lot of stuff that happens here. It also is what happened with that whole Kawhi thing when he was going to the Lakers. It was Magic Johnson just straight up being like, yeah, we got him. Done and done. We got him. He was like, do you? And Kawhi was like, no, actually, I'm not going there. So um, the Lakers part of this, it's much like the Yankees during the trade deadline or free agency um anyone that's worth it is somehow connected to them so let's talk about what's real and what isn't um the chris paul the lakers thing doesn't work for a million different reasons and i'm not saying it's impossible although i feel like it's impossible because there have been plenty of times certainly with stars orchestrating things you're like oh that'll never happen and you're like oh wow that happened but i just don't think it's going to happen based on common sense and a bit of information. If we go over the numbers, Chris Paul has a player option for $44.2 million. Um, if he were to opt out of that, the Lakers, now they could get to, in a weird way, a totally unfeasible and uncharacteristic way, they could get to like $20 million in cap space. That would be just detaching themselves from all of their assets, which doesn't make any sense, so that's not going to happen. The non-taxpayer exception, if they were under the tax, would be somewhere between 9 and $10 million, depending on where the cap lands at $112 million, I believe, for this next season. Um, and then a $6 million, just under $6 million tax uh, exception. So the, the taxpayer, the non-tax. So we're, t- we're talking about like a pay cut of $35 million to like $39 million, $38 million. 
that doesn't seem to make a lot of sense. Does it make a lot of sense basketball-wise? I've always felt like throughout all of LeBron's career and the quest for some of these other players, he never should play with a point guard. He should always play with a ball-handling two-guard that can make shots. And actually, that's what has happened more often than not. But all these years of, oh, what about this, or a trade here, or a tweak there, all these different things, um, when it's a traditional point guard, I think it's just redundant. Although Paul and LeBron are so smart that maybe they could kind of figure it out. But there's another thing that would have to happen here. Um, Chris Paul would have to want to play there. And I don't think that he necessarily wants to go there now that he has this Suns team positioned the way he does. Now, are they the favorites in the West? Absolutely not. They could be behind a handful of teams next year, maybe three teams, maybe it's five. You know, I don't know. We'll see how the rest of this offseason shakes out. But at least Phoenix is in the mix, and it's another year together after they went through and, you know, had a tough loss in the finals. So the only thing I would throw out on the Chris Paul front, as, as of last week, I had heard, that the Suns, and again, this could have changed by the time you're hearing this podcast, but by late last week, I had heard that depending on what Paul does here, it'd be nice to hear from the Phoenix Suns. And I had heard that he had not, um, his party had not heard from ownership. Um, and that's the part of this. If you're a Suns fan, you're like, is Sarver really going to screw this one up? Is he going to be cheap here? Look, the Suns aren't going to do a sign and trade to help the Lakers. They're not going to do a sign and trade to help Chris Paul move on. But where the Suns could screw this up is if they play it cheap and go, hey, maybe you go ahead and set the market and then we'll see what happens. Drag their feet, insult Chris Paul, and then he decides, you know what, I'm going to go take money somewhere else. But again, the money is so short in just a straight up transaction with the Lakers. I just have a hard time believing that. And remember Chris Paul, when he left the Clippers and went to Houston, the reason that was so surprising, it's like, wait, he's going to give up the extra year. And he did. He did give up that extra year. So there you go. Now, Russell Westbrook, he's at $44 million and $47 million. If you look at the trades and how it would work, it'd be Kuzma, it'd be Montrezl Harrell um, picking up the option, it'd be Pope. And, you know, you'd have to get, you could get there. But then you have to ask yourself, do you want this to happen if you're a Lakers fan? Now, we all know my position on Westbrook, but I could actually kind of see this argument, at least for the regular season, because I think there's, there's a level here of energy that Westbrook plays with where he would take games over, take possessions over, and I actually think he would make it easier on guys like Anthony Davis and LeBron James over the course of the season. So there's part of me that actually could kind of understand this. Now, the reason this transitions into another big storyline, and that's the Wizards storyline this offseason, is that don't underestimate the Wizards' desire to be mediocre. And by mediocre, I mean you know a 7-8 seed with the playing games, even more r- margin for error. Um, they, they were a hot team to close things out last year. They still weren't great. And we saw that in that Sixers series. Um, and then they also had their own injuries that they were dealing with there a little bit. But if Westbrook is cool at 44 and 47 million next year and Beal, and there was a ton of Beal stuff out there this weekend, but it was all very much the same. And it's kind of been the same that we've been talking about here on this podcast. There doesn't seem to be this urgency from Bradley Beal to want to ask out and move on. Um, you know, we had Tommy Shepard on the GM and I kept kind of just going down that road. And I don't expect the GM to be like, yeah, he totally wants out. He hates it here. That's not what he's going to say. But it backed up a lot of the stuff you'd heard that Beal's like, yeah, I'm just kind of content. And Beal may be waiting on figuring out what that five-year extension is with Washington, getting that. And then once he has that, then maybe deciding to ask to move on at some point. But if Beal does not push the issue for a trade, which it appears he is not doing now, not saying it won't change, but at least as of now, he's cool with it, then it may also mean that the Wizards are cool with hanging on to Westbrook and hoping to win 40-plus games and be in the playoffs again. Again, do not underestimate the Wizards' desire to be mediocre. So that's where we're at with Beal. Um, Beal has short money, but what's funny is that we have two players, two examples here of guys 
on much longer contracts potentially asking out. Now, the reason I would transition from Beal into Damian Lillard is that as of now, even though there was a report last week saying that we're two weeks away, so I guess we'd be a week away now of, of Damian Lillard asking out um, officially, he'd be asking out in an unprecedented way, which is also kind of what Ben Simmons is doing because he wants out as well in Philadelphia. So Lillard has three years and it's 40, 42, and 46 million, and then a player's option which I don't know how much that changes things. I don't know if the team goes, hey, look, you don't really have as much leverage as you think. So if you come to us and demand a trade, it doesn't mean we're just going to put you somewhere that you want to go because now the team has you under contract for three plus the option. Whereas in another situation where the star is asking out and he has like a year plus left, the new team is like, look, we trade for him, but if we give you assets for this guy and he's going to bounce, we only have him for a year and a half or just a year, it's not really worth it to us. So this is new. Like This is new territory here. Max deals kicking in and then players potentially asking for a trade. But the rumors, again, this is me just making calls and talking draft and, hey, what are you hearing and that kind of stuff. I'm not a reporter. I think you guys know that, but I try to share what I can that, that makes sense. And the Lillard thing still feels like Beal a bit passive right now. Um, and again, it could change, but until it changes, Portland's not going to go out of their way to move Lillard because you're going to lose that trade. Now, would Portland do C.J. McCollum for Ben Simmons? I actually think they would. Um, is that what you want if you're Philadelphia? Well, you may not want it still in July, um, but I don't know. I, I don't know what the other options are going to be now. Now, in comparison to Beal and Lillard, where I still feel like it's a, it's a bit passive, you know, we'll, we'll see how this plays out. Things could change. Simmons seems a certainty, all right? It doesn't seem like he's going to be on Philadelphia when the season starts. Uh, and that's both information and everything you're reading. Now, I don't know what Daryl Morey will do if he doesn't like the offers. He's usually not one to just um, capitulate and just be like, all right, you know, I got to give in here. Um, it's always kind of funny whenever I read the stories on this stuff because you'll be like, oh, well, this is coming from this side and this is coming from that side. And who knows? Some of my information could be coming from one side and I could be a little off on it too. But it it feels like this is like Philadelphia and, and Ben Simmons and his agency clutch. It feels like they already know what they want from each other. All right. And this is another guy with a four-year contract on the books. So how much can he really call his shots? If Ben Simmons wants to be in LA at some point, okay, cool. But you can't dictate where you're going as much as a guy can who has just a year or maybe a year and a half, two years left on his deal. You have four years left on your deal and it's $147 million. But I would say of all the rumblings of these guys moving around in these big offseason stories, the Simmons stuff seems more certain that they're going to try to find a way to move on before the season starts. But again, we'll see. Does it happen before the draft? Does it happen during free agency? Does it happen late? You know, we've had that happen a couple times where we thought everything was done. Westbrook has been part of two of those transactions the last couple of years where it looked like everything is done and all the NBA writers are in Europe on vacation and then they find out another star has been moved. So to summarize, Dame passive, Beal perhaps even more passive, Simmons, this is maybe not publicly um, a problem right now, but I'd say it's going to be a less passive transaction or push at some point. The two other storylines that I have for you, the Warriors, how do they play into all this, waiting around? How do they use these assets? Because this is absolutely like a, a line in the sand from, you know, it's not exactly AD in Christian years here, but what we're seeing is 
is whatever 2021 is, like we'll be able to point back to that and how these assets are used and whether they're extending their championship window or if it didn't work out. Um, and I and I don't know. I don't know that it's just as simple as packaging everything together and asking any of these guys if they're available because it doesn't look like Dame would want to go there. It looks like Beal may not work. Um, Simmons, in this case, I don't still know how you'd play him with Draymond and all that kind of stuff. Is there another player that makes a lot of sense for them? And then my favorite rumor, we're on about, I don't know, 37 months of this Lonzo to the Chicago Bulls. I mean, this is the single longest day. You know who really likes Lonzo Ball? Yes, the Chicago Bulls. We are aware. I checked in on like three different stories on it this morning. So um, those are the big off-season storylines. Trying to sum them up as best I can. We'll have Suri jump on after the break. This episode is supported by State Farm. So look, a little rock hit your dude's windshield on the highway. And at first you're like, what is that? I'm like, oh, it's just a little mark. Nope. Now by the end of the ride, it's a big crack. And it had been a while. So I check out the State Farm app. I go, hey, this is what happened. And the funny thing is, is I was like, do I want to go app first or do I call old school guy? Probably should call. I was like, let's check out the app. Not only did it take a minute to get done, they set up the glass replacement. They told me the estimate ahead of time. Said, do you want to go ahead with it? And I was like, now I understand. It's all in front of me, all done. I don't even have to talk to anybody. That's how efficient the insurance game has become. But really, the only words you need to remember are, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, just like I did, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to somebody. The app was so good, I didn't even need to do that. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. I want to have Sarudi jump on with us here, um, going over those big offseason storylines here. Um, I guess, first of all, did I leave anything out? I mean, there's certainly something you could point to that's a big deal. But I think right now it's the uncertainty of all the player movement. Um, because the other thing I would always remind everyone of is there is a surprise waiting. I don't know what it is or it wouldn't be a surprise, but there's usually some kind of surprise that happens. You're like, oh, wait, that guy wants out. But this is different because it's just the Beal thing, and this has been going on for a while. It doesn't seem to be as aggressive as of right now. Lillard thing, same deal. Um, but we'll see. We'll see what happens with Simmons. I think that might be the one. If I had to rank the ones in order of most likely to be somewhere else before the season starts, I'd put Simmons at the head of all of these other names we went with. Yeah, I mean, other than, you know, what do Jonathan Isaac and Marco Fultz's health look like? I mean, I think that would probably that be was six. just just ne- the next one in line, uh, which so far so good, guys. So everyone's getting excited. What's up? Uh, I would say we were talking about this a little bit in the break. I think the Ben Simmons thing to me is he's the one of the he's the only one of those guys where I think has to be somewhere else next year. He just can't he can't play for the Sixers. He can't like both the Sixers can't have him back and he can't be there. So this thing to me has to get done. And if he wants to start publicly asking out and. I think he's well within his rights to do that, even though I'm usually kind of annoyed by guys that do that, especially with, what, four or five years left on a max contract. But I just think this is they've reached the point of no return. Something has to happen. And I kind of like this. I kind of like the CJ McCollum deal. Like, I don't know exactly how the numbers necessarily would work, but that's the kind of guy that Philly needs. I think they would be better. Like, do you think if they just straight swapped McCollum for Simmons? I don't know. I'm sure they would add somebody else from Portland. But do you think they're a better team, Philly? Because I, I do. I think that's exactly what they're missing. It's a really good way to put it because I'll share with you, you know, the person I was talking to about it, it said like, you know, Simmons is probably a more valuable asset than CJ McCollum, but wouldn't the Sixers just be better 
with him than Simmons, you know, clogging everything up with the Embiid Simmons thing that happens at the end of every game. Um, there's also something to be said about what happens with Simmons and Lillard. Does that mean Lillard's playing off the ball more now? Or, you know, what what are you doing with Simmons? Because is he gonna is he gonna post with Portland? I don't know. It can't be any worse, honestly, than what it is when Embiid's in the way and Simmons guys hanging on Embiid because he doesn't have to defend him all the way out there. I you know, I think waiting for Simmons to develop a shot is is pointless. I don't think it's ever going to happen. But if you're saying the other player other than Simmons is now somebody who can handle and can score and can shoot and isn't it like a top 20 player level, but is a top 40 player level in CJ McCollum. Yeah, I actually think they'd be more balanced. Like, I don't even know how you debate against it. Um, I, although I guess you'd say, hey, what do you do now with Seth Curry? And now what are you doing defensively with your guards? And does that mean Seth doesn't play in Thibault plays all the time? Um, because Simmons still is important defensively. So I could I could understand. I think it might feel like, hey, whatever it is, like we're giving you the luxury car at a discounted price for your car that's good, but it's it's not the same. But it's it's not the same argument. The argument is different. If you're a Blazers fan, are you excited about that trade? I mean, the problem would be, I think, you know, you look at Simmons as still the guy who got drafted first overall. You're excited about what he could be, even though there's a good chance he's never going to get to, as you said, he's never going to develop a jump shot. But I do kind of like the idea of him going to Portland they have a track record of developing guys, right? Getting the most out of players. That's why I always thought Aaron Gordon, you know, speaking when we were, when there was, you know, the carousel of Aaron Gordon trades, I always thought Portland made a lot of sense because they'd probably be able to get the most out of him. Uh, I kind of feel that way with Ben Simmons. And if I'm Ben Simmons, I actually think I'd want to go to Portland. You could play next to a Lillard type, go to a good front office, a good, well, you know, the coaching staff was there, was good, but, you know, a good, a good organization. And also there's no pressure on you in Philly. There's, there, there's going to be so much pressure on him in Philly to do anything that if he's there from, you know, the opening jump next year, he's going to be screwed. So if I'm him, I want out anyway. So I kind of like that fit. Yeah, I, I know the, the, the thing that I wonder is like, if it feels like Philly's not getting their way or getting what they want, and then Simmons feels like he's not getting their, their way, like, will that become aggressive? And is there a part of it because it's clutch that you feel like you have to, you know, some some organizations, you can see there's agents they're aligned with, right? I mean, clearly clutch has a huge amount of influence on the Lakers because LeBron's there and everything else. Um, is clutch an agency where, and I've heard this term used before where it's like, hey, do the agent the favor. Um that can get a little dicey. Like I've heard of some examples of it where I'm like, why would you do that for the agent? Be like, oh, well, in that case, you probably just want to make sure you do the agent a favor. And then you'll be like, well, I don't know. That seemed like you're doing him a huge favor. But you also don't want to be known as a front office that's burning agents left and right and telling them something and then doing something differently. But I do wonder if Clutch and their presence in this one, if they're more likely to get what they want for their client because... Daryl and the Sixers are thinking the long game here. Like they're not going to give Ben Simmons away to make the agents happy. But if the priority is to have them with a new team before the season starts, you know, how much of their influence factors into that decision? And I'm not even saying it's the overriding factor. It's just something that's worth at least bringing up. Um, Because as of right now, publicly, it's not nasty. I just wonder if it would get to like AD levels of nasty because that got that got pretty weird there with the Pelicans. Um, and honestly, even though I really like AD, there's part of it where it felt kind of disappointing. But to get your way, you know, what do we keep getting back to? Like if Lillard really wants out, he has to play it differently. If Beal were to really want out, you you actually have to become difficult. And 
that's kind of where you get to the point of no return with some of these guys. And we're just not there yet. The problem is, though, you, can you sell Lillard on Ben Simmons coming in and that being better for them in the short term? Pro- probably not, right? I don't know what it would look like. I don't know. I mean, because I've, I've talked to different people around the league that know it better than I do that think it would be terrific and others that think that's pointless because Simmons still needs the ball. And now you're taking it out of one of the best shot creators' hands in the history of the game, perhaps. I mean, that's that's yeah. not that's not far <laughs> off when describing what Lillard is capable of. But when we talked about the Warriors it being interested in him and whether or not that was real or not, I Who, mean, it's the Simmons? same situation. Yeah, it's the same situation, though. I mean, even if you say you got rid of Draymond, right, and they and you know you you solve that one problem, you're still taking the ball out of Steph Curry and Clay Thompson's hands, right? It's still the same. It's still the same issue. You're always going to be that way with Ben Simmons if he's on your team. Yeah, with that, though, I think he would have so much freedom with shooting around him, but it would also depend on what you know the other other spots are like. Because then if it's Wiseman, do you start running into some of the same problems again? But Wiseman is part of your long-term answer, 30 minutes at center, which you would still hope is the case. Um, and then who's who's the small forward? Because Wiggins would be out of there in the trade. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I I that would be, but I just don't know how you would do it. I don't know how you would do it. Having him and Draymond on the team at the same time would be a problem in the playoffs. Yeah. Last question for you, because, uh, you know, I, the Kawhi thing to me is interesting. They're almost, are they almost benefited because he got hurt that he's definitely going to come back? And are you, like, what do you, how do you feel if you're the Clippers right now? That's one, the one thing I'm saying, okay, this next year is almost a loss. What do you do with Paul George? Um, what's the trade market for him? Um, you know, all right, so maybe Kawhi can come back at the end of next year, but are you still going to, you know, make a championship push in the playoffs if he comes back in April or May? Like, I don't know. So th- for me, the Clippers thing is totally up in the air, but I almost think they might benefit because he's going to automatically resign in LA because what other options does he have? Unless he wants to maybe go to the Heat, but I don't know what assets the Heat have to necessarily make a trade with the Clippers. Well, the Kawhi stuff, I think they're fine with it because they know what they, they're dealing with. You know, I, I wouldn't say it's awesome. But I think they are accepting of like, hey, this is how Kawhi does business and this is what's going to happen. And even though everybody kind of knew it was the ACL thing, uh, he wasn't that forthcoming with it. And you could say, well, he should have gotten the surgery done right away. Reading more about it this weekend, it seems a little bit more complicated, even though the recovery time feels about the same. So, I, you know, I don't know if he had gotten it done immediately in June or if he was shopping for a second opinion, shopping for a second doctor. But I mean, once it's the ACL, it's the ACL. I mean, there's there's people that can have a blown ACL that bartend, <laughs> but not play small forward. Yeah, I love, the, NBA, I love the guy that's right? like, hey, yeah, actually, you can function fine. With yeah, I love ACL. those guys. Yeah, Cool. Like, what are you doing? Like, you're sitting at a desk all day? Like, good times. <laughs> Enjoy that. Like, yeah, I actually can golf. It hasn't impacted me at all. I'd be like, oh, really? Have you have you had to chase Steph Curry around a screen, though, ever? Although, no? wait, didn't, remember, what was it, Dewan Blair, right? Had no, he was born with no ACLs, the Spurs guy, Pitt guy. So that, that always confused me, too. I'm like, well, how does that make any sense? The guy was actually kind of good. I liked him in college. Yeah, he was kind of good. Dropped. I'm like, why is he dropping? Like, he has no ligaments in his knees. <laughs> yeah. Like, all right, that was he's, red flag. That would appear to be a red flag. Yeah, Kawhi's definitely, um, I would say, one of the biggest offseason things, although I think you're kind of right. Like, it's it's almost like the Durant thing. We, for a small window there, when he blew it as Achilles, you're like, wait, does Golden State, did their chances to retain him go up now mm-hmm. because they can just max him sight and scene, which they would have done. And and it would have been a little bit more money. And then, you know, obviously, then it turned into the sign of trade. And Yeah. You know, but but it'd be the same thing for 
for Kawhi and the Clippers. There aren't many teams that could just outright sign him, right? So it'd have to be a sign and trade. And I don't know, I don't know what a better situation for him is. I guess, you, like I mentioned, Miami. He could opt out. He could he could opt out of the option there too. But I think everybody has the sense that the Kawhi Clippers thing was was always. Mm. Well, I'll just go by this. Everything he's, he's I've read. Home. When when Woj seems fairly confident that all signs point to him going to the Clippers, I don't think Woj says that unless he's really confident. Mm -hmm. All right, and watching he and Zach Lowe's show that they did that was really great, a lot of really good information in there. I don't think I don't think he says that as pointed as he said it unless he knows, and I think he has a pretty good grasp of what the Clippers are doing uh, at all times. By the way, would you do Paul George for Ben Simmons? No. Isn't that funny? I, I think there's probably a time where it happens and you're like, cool, good. We got Ben Simmons. We got Paul George out of here. If Simmons had his pick of anywhere, well, he'd be in L.A. Uh, for obvious reasons. Oh, but of I, course. I, I don't know if that's going to happen. Wait, when do you think that would have happened, though? Because I feel like their trajectories are kind of the same. They were both like, you know, Paul George was the third, what, third and third in the MVP race a couple years ago. And that's kind of when Ben Simmons, you know, stock hit its highest as well. Now they're both kind of trending downward. I feel like they're kind of the same stock. I think Paul George has recovered a bit here. Um, just because some, of a couple good playoff games, that's it. Ah, playoff P is back in a and a series loss. You don't think Paul George helped his his status with this playoff run? I thought he was playing with house money, had nothing to lose, and he played well. So good for him. But yeah, but he played I, I well. Like, that's the thing. It's like we've we've seen too many games where he hadn't played well. I mean, he played well, so I think he deserves credit for it. Yeah, but I still I would still have problems if like a fully healthy if that Clipper team came back fully healthy next year. I'd still have the same questions I had about them this year. And all those, and the Lakers are going to be healthy next year. The West is going to be better. I, I don't know. It is what it is for me. He's he just. I know who Paul George is. I'm not trying to say. I'm not trying to say he's terrible. I'm not trying to say he's great. I know who Paul George is, and it's not playoff P. All right, we know this guy is. He's engaged Bobby Portis, and he's a world champion. He joins us next. This episode is brought to you by Hulu Plus Live TV. Looking for a better way to watch live TV? Stream your favorite sports and shows. On over 95 live channels with Hulu Plus Live TV, get access to Hulu's entire streaming library, Disney Plus and ESPN Plus, all in one plan. Start your free trial of Hulu Plus Live TV today. Live TV plan required. Restrictions apply. Access content from each service separately. Learn more at Hulu.com. So how's it feel, man? How's, how's this whole thing feel a week later? I'm not going to lie. Like, it's just now starting to sink in since I've been home in Arkansas. Um, you know, the first couple of hours that happened, you're like, damn, like that really happened. Like I was excited, but being able to just sit down and think about the the entire year, um, the highs and lows we had, um, all the COVID protocols we had to follow all year, um, you know, testing twice a day, it's all those things for us to be um in in NBA finals as the champs. Um, I, I just don't think words can can even describe that feeling. How does it work as a team after you win a championship? Like, do you all want to hang out as much as you possibly can in town then? Like, I, I would like to know between not getting any sleep, but making sure, <laughs> like, are you guys on a text thread? Like, what's the plan today? What are we doing tonight? How's that work? Uh, I just think as us, like, we've always been close and things like that. Um, it was tough with Chris and Drew been, having to go to Tokyo um, days after. Uh, but, um, you know, some of the guys, we did have a chance after the game on Tuesday, man, we had a we had a nice celebration after the game on Tuesday. It did. Um, Thursday was the parade. Um, at the parade, man, just seeing 600,000 fans just everywhere uh, along Milwaukee. Um, that was that was a crazy experience. Um, that feeling that you have 
Um, you know, when you win the championship after the game, then that feeling that you have during the parade, um, celebrating it with your market city, um, like, like it doesn't get any better than that at all. What's the best story from Tuesday night that you can share with us? Uh, like after the game? Yeah. Um, just, you know, um, probably the best story I can have is, you know, just everybody being together. Um, like my mom came out with us. Like even my mom came out, like everybody came out, like my friends and family came with, like my mom came, came and had a few drinks and stuff and took a couple of shots with us. So that was like pretty cool. Like my mom never like goes out or like I never see my mom drink. If my mom drinks, she'll get like a like a frozen margarita or something. But um, having my mom there, she took a couple of shots, put them in the air. That was kind of like that was crazy. That was historic right there. Yeah, that's 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 cool, man. Um, yeah. I, I've got a you got a big smile on your face. I'm kind of laughing too because it's just cool when you can kind of connect. Um, in a way that, you know, you never may get this opportunity again, you know, so yeah. make the most of it. What, let's get to the series because, you know, they go up 2-0. It looked like, you know, Chris Paul's kind of dictating everything against the different coverages, the switches, and then you would try to play him a little bit differently and nothing seemed to be working. What changed defensively specific to that matchup and trying to slow them down on offense? What changed to turn this thing around? Being more aggressive, being who we are. I think the first couple of games we were kind of like not timid, but um, you know we was playing to play. Like we weren't just like playing to win. Like we wasn't playing our brand of basketball. Um, so when we got back home, we got a chance to regroup. We had a couple of days off in between games, so uh, you know we got a chance to regroup, um, think about some things that we want to do differently, and man, just just trying to push Chris Paul um, left as possible. Um, during the rest of the series, we wanted to just, you know, make him go left. Obviously, he's going to get right sometimes, but um, for the most of the time, we want to force him left and make him take um, tough shots going towards the bats tonight in that mid-range area. He's an assassin there. Um, picking him up full court, um, you know, just trying to wear him down with our, uh, our toughness, our speed, and our um, our youth. Um, just trying to, you know, wear him down that way. And um, I think it kind of worked for us. Yeah, was that... Was that something you guys talked about where you'd say to like Drew, hey, we got to just pick them up earlier. We got to have them set up later in the shot clock. Because that seemed, you know, again, it's your team. You made the adjustments. A lot of us at times are kind of guessing from the outside or trying to figure out. But that was that like something that the staff and you actually talked about? Like, hey, this is a priority the rest of the series. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think the first uh, couple of games, um, you know, we had the we had the uh we had PJ on Chris Paul. And we had um, Drew on Devin Booker. I think we just kind of switched it back like like size. Um, you know, had put the matchups back to where they needed to be. And, um, you know, it kind of took off for us. Um, obviously, um, you know, our first three series in the playoffs against the Heat, uh, the Nets, and the Hawks, you know, we were picking up guys full court, um, making them really work. So when they get to, you know, half court, um, you know, there's what, 18, 17 seconds on the shot clock, and now they're in a, in a hurry to start the offense and things like that. Um, having great, great off-ball pressure as well. Um, knowing that you know they they run their elbow actions and things like that, so we pressure the five man. I mean things like that. It was easier. Um, obviously, um, you know putting Giannis on eight, so you know Giannis can switch to pick and roll, and um, you know the bigs backside can kick out Drew and whoever the guards was to switching onto eight, and now the bigs on eight. So um, all of those things just um, you know 
just trying to strategically just win one game at a time. And um, it worked for us, man. It's, it's a blast. How surprised were you guys that Giannis turned into Larry Bird from the free throw line in game six? Uh, I wasn't surprised at all. Like, if you know Giannis, the man doesn't miss a free throw, like, in practice. Like, in practice, he doesn't miss a free throw. When we shoot in free throw games, he's he's locked in, knocking them down, probably at an 80%, 90% clip. So, um, I wasn't surprised he did that with 15 for 16 or 16 for 17 from the line or whatever it was. I think he missed one free throw or two, right? Two, right? Yeah, two. I think it was 17 and 19 two. or something ridiculous. Yeah, so, like... Him to do that, if he just think about it, if Giannis starts making ten plus free throws a game, like, like he could average forty. <laughs> yeah, no, I I'm with you. So when he got hurt against Atlanta, how how much did you know about the extent of the injury? I mean, because it looks terrible. He's gone. He misses some time. Like, were you thinking you'd lost him for the playoffs, or did you guys kind of know that? All right, as bad as it looked, he's probably going to be back here if we get through this. Um, I think our mindset was, was winning the series. Um, if we win the series and don't go to a game seven with Atlanta, we get another extended period of, of rest time for Giannis to rest up, you know. And um, that was our whole mindset was trying to win the series, uh, trying to take it one game at a time, obviously, but just but still knowing and, knowing and thinking bigger picture, like our bigger picture, the whole – year was being champion. That's all we talked about. Like, we want to get there. We want to win it. So, uh, knowing that, you know, when your brother goes down, someone has to step up for him. And uh, I think everybody played their part in, in stepping up for him. You've been on a few teams now. Um, you know, you're still a young guy. But what is it about Giannis where it appears everyone likes him? Um, I, I Look, I know there are popular guys, but it seems like everybody loves this dude, loves being his teammate. Why is that? Um, he's selfless, man. He's a guy that, um, you know, when you reach, when you reach his, his peak of success, man, you know, he has the, he has the career most guys want. He has the MVP, two-time MVP award winner. Um, he's a defensive player of the year. Um, he won an all-star MVP. Now he's the NBA finals MVP. So, um, when you put his accolades up, um, and stack them up against other people, I mean, just how humble he is in what he does, how hard he works in what he does, um, how selfless he is, how, you know, um, how, how motivational he is every day towards his teammates, making sure his teammates are comfortable in their roles, making sure his teammates are, you know, um, are good off the court as well. Um, all those things makes him a, a great person. Uh, he's a great person to be around. Um, he doesn't talk much off the court, um, but, you know, when he does, people really listen because when he says something, you know, it, it's, it's probably something that you need to listen to. You got called for a bad foul uh, in game six and you started high-stepping down the court. Yeah, the Deion Sanders action. <laughs> Prime time. <laughs> they let you go on that one. That might have been a technical in the regular season. And, and no, no, no. I got, a tech, I got a technical foul. Oh, you did get a tech on that? Yeah, I got a technical foul because Chris Paul shot a free throw right after that. Oh, that's right. He missed it. Yeah, he missed it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got a technical foul. That was kind of crazy. Yeah, because Middleton. Yeah, I don't know. I because you it. I don't know. I thought they were gonna let you go, and that's right. You ended I up. I thought they were gonna let tech. me go too. Like I, I, I thought they was gonna let me go, but I played good defense. I closed out on the top on the top side of Crowder. He tried to go right. I cut him off. He tried to go left. I cut him off, and then he kind of tripped over his own feet. But I guess the ref thought I tripped him or whatever it was. 
It did. I just thought, I don't, I don't know how it happened. He like, fell down. He just fell yeah, he down. Fell down. He, Cause he fell he's, down. he's, uh, he sells it. He sells it as much as a lot of guys. He doesn't have the ball oh, in his yeah, hands as much. He's great at that for sure. Like he sells all his fouls and things like that. Like he did a great job of that all series long of getting different guys, extra fouls and, um, you know, just playing his role and that getting, getting, getting free throws and things like that. So I don't know. I, I don't know how he does it. Like, like when somebody hits me or something, I can't like just. I don't know. I don't, I don't, know, how to, I don't know how to flop like that. <laughs> you get you get more points. Um, now here, like throughout the course of the series, though, like he's kind of their instigator. I think that you have that role for Milwaukee. You know, you've had other times where you've had to be the scorer with teams, and I feel like you had to respond. Like, what's it like when it's when it's two guys who know they're kind of their team's tough guy and they have to stand up to each other because that's what it seemed like at times. Yeah. Um, just knowing your role, man, this league. Um, you know, I came in at, at the high school, McDonald's All-American, you know, top 15 recruit. Um, get to Arkansas, I'm the star player. I win the SEC player of the year there, All-American. Um, but when I got drafted, I kind of had to find my role and find my niche again. Um, got drafted to the Bulls and had Pau Gasol, who's going to be a Hall of Famer one day, um, you know, NBA champion. Then you got Joe Kim Noah, um, you know, who who knows if he'll be one or not. But, you know, he was a hell of a bull, had a hell of a ride with the Chicago Bulls. Then you got um, Taz Gibson as well. So I was behind veteran guys that, you know, taught me how to work hard, taught me how to be a star in my role. I watched it every day. I watched, you know, those three guys work. And um, having an opportunity to be with those guys really helped push my career. Um, but like I'm saying, when you first get into the league, you have to find, you know, it's your role, your niche. Everybody's race in the league is going to be different. Um, you're going to have guys that go lottery that's going to have more opportunity than you probably because, you know, they were lottery picks. You have guys that go undrafted and have to work their way up. And, you know, it's probably harder on those guys. You have guys like myself who go, um, you know, late, uh, mid, first round. Um, and, um, you know, we have to find our role and be a star in our role as well. So. Um, being on this team, I know my role. I know I have to come in and bring energy every day. Um, you know, I know when games get rocky, I come in and change the whole game by just playing hard, um, talking, um, you know, letting people know we're there. Um, and, you know, obviously I love to score the basketball too, so um, that's just a plus. So, um, you know, knowing your role in this league is a big thing. I think me and Crowder does. Uh, I think both of us does a great job of, you know, being that, you know, for our for, for our, our um our respective basketball clubs. I think your story just in this playoff run alone is, is really impressive because you have, you know, Miami where you, you yeah. run through them, you're playing like 16, 17 a game. You know, you played a little bit more against, um, you know, some of the others, but then they, they shut you down basically yeah. to start that Brooklyn series. How tough was that for you? Cause you're like, wait a minute, I'm a DNP guy now. And I was playing 17, 18 minutes a game. Yeah, uh, I mean, obviously, uh, the whole year, man, um, you know, sacrifice is the biggest thing on a winning team. And uh, I had to sacrifice really a lot this year. Uh, you know, my last three, four years, um, even on teams I played on, I was getting, you know, 10, 11, 12, 13 shots a game. If you look at the at my sports reference, um, this year I was getting eight, nine shots. So, um, I had to really just sacrifice on a lot of things, and um, that was one of them. Um, just coming on the winning team, it's all about sacrifice. Uh, it's not about you anymore. It's about the team. And um, I wasn't really mad at all, uh, not 
not playing as much or getting DMPs. Um, I knew that, you know, I work hard and everything I do. I knew that staying ready was a big part of it. Um, I got taught that as a um, as a youngin at a young age, you know, coming into this league, that just staying ready and being ready for your for your moment is always the biggest thing in this league. And I was just ready for it. Um, not tripping at all, not about playing, but just, just still being a good teammate, um, still cheering my guys on. But I knew that whenever, you know, my number was called, I would be ready. You had a one-year deal for a, for a big number uh, with the Knicks. It seemed like the Knicks were doing, they want to do like a bunch of short-term one-year deals. And then you come up again and it's, the market isn't the same for you. So what was that like? How frustrating was that when you're thinking like as a free agent, hey, you know, there seemed to be more money out there. And now I'm trying to figure it out this year. Um, last year, uh, there were a lot of teams that was throwing me, you know, double figure money. Um, I had like three, four teams still doing that, but um, I just didn't think they were good situations for me personally. Um, you know, I, I went through the season last year with the Knicks. It was a it was a tough year for me on the, on the court and off the court. Um, you know, just a lot going on in my life at the time, so um, it was tough. But I didn't want to be in one of those situations again where I'm making a lot of money, but I'm not happy and, um, you know, our team is, is losing every night and things like that. So, um, you know, I took a lot more money than I could have gotten in the market last year. Um, people don't really know that. I expressed it before. But just having the chance to be on a team that's going to impact winning. Um, I looked at the roster and just thought I just fit perfectly with the team. I think they had nobody liking on the team with my personality and my skill set. That I could come off the bench and do what I do um, on a nightly basis. And then uh, having a chance to win the championship was really important to me just to get my market value back up and just to, you know, um, you know, be a star on my role again. And I just thought it was a match made in heaven. And I thought, shoot, I, I know now that I made the right decision for sure. So just so we understand, that, I mean, it, it's always a little weird because you know exactly how much you guys make to the dollar because um, <laughs> it's just the way it works. You turned yeah. down like 10 plus million a year to take three point six. Yeah, the whole league knows that too. The GMs around the league know that. Um, they called my agent and um, they was congratulating me last year. Most guys don't do that at the at the age I was. I was twenty five last um, free agency. Um, most guys at twenty five would just you know take the most money wherever it is. Um, but I I really value winning, and I've been at losing situations for the past three three seasons. I didn't want to feel that anymore. It sucks losing. It's hard winning in this league, but it sucks losing. Coming home um, from an L, you lost. Um, you know, when you're working hard as you can, your craft, um, it's tough, man. But, um, yeah, to answer your question, I did have, you know, 10-plus figure, um, you know, deals out there. But I wanted to take this deal for less. And, um, you know, hopefully I'll get it back in the future. Yeah, the, so that's uh, pretty much a guarantee you'd be opting out. Um, uh, of uh, of the player option this year. So, what's the plan? What do you want to have uh, happen? What are you looking at doing? Uh, you know, obviously, uh, you know, playing this game. Um, you know, you don't have a lot of time to make as much money as you can. Um, you know, I want to play at least fifteen years. This is my sixth year, going on my seventh year. So, if I'm looking at time frame wise, I got eight, nine. You know, hopefully, a decade left of ball left in me. Uh, if I take care of my body and do right by my money and things like that, I can play the game, you know, at least 10 more years uh, with my skill set and the way I play basketball, I think I can. Um, but, you know, you want to make as much money as you can in your career. 
can't play basketball forever. Um, I have a player option coming up um, before August 1st. I have to make a decision by then. Uh, you know, me and my agent have been talking and things like that, but um, we're just taking our time with it right now. No rush. Um, you know, later on in the week, we'll make a decision what we're going to do, um, where our options and things like that. But um, I do like playing for the Bucks. It's, it's, it's really helped my career. It's really changed my life. Uh, but at the same time, I do have to, you know, have to win in life as well. Well, hey, Bobby, wish you a ton of luck, man. Um, happy for you uh, just because uh, you like seeing guys persevere through it all. And you had a lot of challenges last year and then the challenges going through the playoffs and then becoming um, a, just a piece, a very flexible piece. You make shots, you defend, you bust your ass. And uh, just the best of- part of it, too, man. Like the journey is the best part of being in, being in the league, man. Like I, I can't stress it enough. Like you don't know what your race is going to be when you make it to the league. Um, you know, obviously you have all these dreams, aspirations of what you want it to be, but you just just never know. You don't know if the coach is going to get you DMPs. Um, you, you have to really control what you can control in this league. Um, you can't really get down there still. Nobody's going to feel sorry for you. So uh, I think the journey is the best part of the NBA. Um, you know, after guys retire, they have countless and countless number of stories that they can pass on for generations to come because of all the things they've been through, the highs and lows, um, I wouldn't trade it for I wouldn't trade it for nothing. I love I love my I love my race on running, man. It's 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 a fun marathon. And probably a little bit more lucrative part of the race coming up here soon. So Yeah. <laughs> we'll yeah, see how sir. it goes. <laughs> we'll see how it shakes out. Thanks a lot, Bobby. I really appreciate that. This episode is brought to you by hotels.com. When I went on my last holiday to Cape Town, it was amazing. My friends were there, the weather was phenomenal, and most importantly, the food was fantastic. But one thing I struggled with was finding the right places to stay. You know, all I want is a great bed, a fantastic shower, and breakfast that doesn't end at 8 a.m. I'm on holiday, I'm still sleeping. I also like ease, and the Hotels.com app easily helps me to find a perfect hotel for every trip. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly getaway or a relaxing spa weekend, on the Hotels.com app, you can compare up to five hotels side-by-side. Now, why would you want to do that? So you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings. And best of all, you don't have to switch back and forth between options. See? Ease. So, start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase, every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co forward slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch, subject to credit approval. Terms apply. You want details? Bye. I drive a Ferrari. 355 Cabriolet. What's up? I have a ridiculous house in the South Fork. I have every toy you can possibly imagine. And best of all, kids, I am liquid. So, now you know what's possible. Let me tell you what's required. Life advice. Life advice is rr at gmail.com. Uh, Again, life advice rr at gmail.com. Uh, we had a lot of response to the guy that crossed the border of uh, Mexico for a date. We did not get a follow-up from him. We had a lot of other follow-ups from people, other people saying, let him live. Other people saying, um, that's a terrible idea. Uh, I thought we were pretty open 
ended on it. But something that kept coming up was apparently this pass that you can get. I don't know if it's only for people that are in a serious. I, I imagine this this is more like a clear pass for crossing the border, which again I wouldn't know anything about um, because I don't I don't go down to Mexico. I don't drive to Mexico a ton. Um, I'm pretty adventurous, but I don't have. I, I usually am not around going. You know what I'm gonna do? Drive to Mexico today. All right, so. Um, what is it called? The Century Pass, Kyle? Did you get IT on this? Yeah, I was actually uh, looking it up for the last couple minutes. I think I got it. It's called Century, S-E-N-T-R-I. Um, and it's basically like, um, yeah, like like you said, clear TSA right. pre-check. It's just kind of greases the wheels to get across the, uh, get across the southern border of the U.S. All right, there you go. Okay. Um, here we go. Let me get a gym one here. Hey, this, this is about Jim and a girl. We never do these. All right, big fans, Rudy Soccer and Magic Takes are always wanted. Kyle's relatable blunders always make my day. Ryan, you're okay, too. I've uh, been a member of this gym, Nice Health Club, 15 years, 32. Wow, look at you. There's a girl at the gym and my friend has been into... Uh, oh, wait, there's a girl at the gym that my friend has been into for like two or three years now. Well, that's good. He's playing it slow. Uh, they both used to be members at another gym, but he's never said a word to approaching girls at the gym is a delicate thing. And it's also super intimidating for guys to attempt. So I get it, but it's been years. Anyway, she's attractive. I ended up finding her on IG on a boredom search for people you may know. It sounds like you wanted to find her a little bit more than just, um, but I, you know, it took look, him two I years to get there. Yeah. I friended her, but remember this, our email is not the guy that's interested in it. It's the friend. So, oh uh, no, no, no. I'm worried about what this might go. I friended her on IG. We messaged back and forth, talked in person today. She'd offered up her number. So far, it's still innocent. No lines have been crossed, but potential is there. So if I decide I want to cross that line, what do I owe my friend? I know the right thing to do is to approach him about it. He is not going to be happy, all caps. Um, it's as if he had proverbial dibs, but just being super into a girl and never making a move mean she's off limits. My friend and I worked together for like two years. We've gotten close really just over the last year. Me adding that is probably just me talking to myself and just saying, fuck it. Um, I don't know, man. I mean, this is, this is a pretty simple one, but it's also not simple. I mean, if he, he's been into her and he hasn't talked to her in three years, I, I feel like that window you know, it's at some point, like I'm all for not talking to a girl at the gym. All right. Cause it is awkward. It's weird. I don't, it's not my move. I see other guys do it and I'm, I'm sort of amazed and then ashamed all at the same time. Like it's this combination of emotions where I'm just watching it go down and I'll be friendly with some other girls at the gym and they'll be like, Hey, do you know that guy? And I'm like, Nope. Like he just straight up came up to me like while I was doing tricep pull downs and was like, Hey, when's, when's it going to be our time? Like I, these guys are <laughs> fucking straight out of movies, man. Some of you guys that are able to do this where you just go up to any attractive girl and throw them serious Jersey Shore game. So um, I am not capable of that. I'll never I'll never be that guy. And in a way, look, to be totally fair, as much as it's kind of like a, ugh, like there's also, I think, part of us as guys that you're almost envious of the guy who just doesn't give a shit. Right. Who doesn't give a shit. Um, I have one friend who's a lot older and I have noticed that he is in that does not give a shit category anymore at all. Hits on everybody. Doesn't care. Is like, whatever. I'm old. I'm over it. I did things the right way. Didn't pay off for me. <laughs> now I'm just firing on everyone. Look out world. And it's weird. 
I got to admit, it's a little weird, but I also kind of respect it. I also kind of get it. So back to your deal here. Um, he's going to be pissed. He is straight up. He's not going to say, hey, because we don't own our shit. He's not going to say, hey, you know what? You're right. I was really into her, but shy, didn't have a window in, and you DM'd her, and now she likes you and wants to go on a date. So all the credit to you for being proactive while I did nothing. No, he's going to be like, hey, you know, I liked her. This is bullshit. So it's probably going to make it awkward. So what I would ask is pretty simple math. Is pursuing her worth losing him? Because even if you don't lose him as a friend, he's going to talk shit about you. He's going to be mad. He's going to think he's justified. Um, both of you are going to think you're completely justified for your actions. And both of you actually are going to have very compelling arguments. This isn't one deal where somebody's completely wrong about it. But he, look, he's going to be he's going to be pissed off at you. And chances are, if this girl's like at the highest end of what you're capable of, because <laughs> it's just how people are. Like if she's that much hotter than other girls that you've dated and now there's some interaction and here's the number, you're going to say, fuck this guy and you're going to go out with her. If she's not that, then you'll probably be like, whatever, I'll just meet somebody else. I mean, that's kind of unfortunately, you know, I'm not even judging it. I just think that's usually, okay, what's what's happening here? So he's going to get mad at you. He's going to get mad at you. And I kind of wondered like, wait, were you checking her out on Instagram to, to set him up and then this happened or did you already know you were going to do this the whole time anyway? Um, but he's going to be mad, and in a way, he doesn't have a right to be mad. So good luck with that one. Kyle? Yeah, that's it. It doesn't matter who's right or wrong. Like, you know exactly how he's going to be. And, you know, some guys even say that they're okay, and then they're actually not okay. So either way, it probably doesn't turn out well um, for the friendship thing if you go through with it. Like, you know, you already knew while he was writing this how it was going to turn out if he does what he wanted to do. I think you got to put like a graph together as far as like, is is this guy good enough of friends with you and how out of your league is she? And if 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 she is way out of your league and he's worth losing the friend over, then OK, then go ahead and date her. But if it's not the case, then you should probably try to keep your friend. I just think it just depends on what and how good of friends you are with this guy and how out of, out of your league this girl is. That was sinister, dude. I have to say. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you're doing a SWOT analysis people, on paper. Yeah. All right. I mean, listen, if you want my actual advice without actually knowing who these people are or what your deal is or how close you are or how hot this girl is, like, it's hard for me to tell. So that's what you got to do. You got to do like an assessment analysis and get the graph out there. Stone cold. Yeah. He also, as he says at the end, when he's like, we've only worked together for two years and really just gotten close over the last year. He already knows what he's going to do. Yeah. yeah. He already knows what he's going to do. All right. Um, hey, another gym one. All right. Hey, guys, 6'4", 230, used to be pretty jacked, now not as jacked, have been out of the game for a while. Any tips on how to ease myself back into throwing numbers around at the gym? <laughs> um, all right. So you're saying at some point you used to be strong and you were like a stronger guy at the gym. And now you're saying you're going to go back in and you're going to hate it. If you have, I don't know how long it's been since you've lifted. Um, you're going to hate it. And it's going to take some time. Although the cool thing about not lifting for a long time is that once you actually start doing it again, you'll feel immediate results, you know, as opposed to plateauing for years and, and not really feeling all that challenged um, as much because it's just a little bit harder. So you're in the new phase, but you've already had 
the result. So I don't know. I mean, look, you obviously have a big frame and all that kind of stuff. So I think these are the these are three tips, three tips for getting back in the game. All right. When you put 225 on the first time and when you haven't done it in a while, if it doesn't go well and somebody's spotting you, make sure you tell the spotter that you're dealing with an injury. Like there's, I got this lingering shoulder thing. Um, another thing you can do is if when you go to do 225, it doesn't go well, and then you rack it back up, look at the bar with confusion as if, are we, did I use the kilogram plates? Is that bar thick enough? What are we talking about? Like 28 and a half? Like what's going on here? Like almost like when a shooter airballs and he looks at his hands and blows on them as if that had anything to do with the airball whatsoever. You need to do that. So the guy knows that like, Hey, whatever that just was, whatever that said, something was off. So remind of him an injury. Look back at the bar and plates as if you're confused on whether or not their metric system is off. And then I would say third and finally, you know how people say dance like no one's watching? I say lift like everyone's watching. So, you know, there could be some things that you're not going to pick up, but whatever you're good at, if there's like a lat pull down where you're like, I feel like this is great already, give it everything. You know, get back out there, put yourself on stage and yeah, pretend, pretend that you're putting on a show for everyone and that will at least motivate you to get that extra rep because I don't care who you are if you're a guy and you're doing some kind of exercise and it's pushing you to your limits and if the yoga instructor that you kind of like for two or three years but never talked to walks by you're going to get one more rep out of it so again lift like everyone is watching I don't know if you guys want to add to that one or not no the only thing is I was we opened LA back up so I got back in the gym I had like a year at at uh, LA Fitness on on back order. Yeah, yeah. You really should look out everybody who's listening. But then they put the mask back in and they sort of opened up the gym to full capacity and the whole mask thing for vaccinated folks went away at the same time. And now I've been, you know, chugging away for I don't know, a month or two. And then now the idea of doing exercise with a mask on is kind of keeping me away from the gym and I'm doing like five miles around the neighborhood instead. And I really don't know. I mean, you work out from home, right? So you don't really have to deal with the mask while no, you're back. yourself. I'm back at Equinox. Oh, and so you're back masked. And what are your thoughts? I just put the mask on. You know, I'm over it. I'm not worried about you it. You have like a special yeah. mask or it just sucks? No, I have a shitty one. I used to have a special one, but it would that was restricting my breathing way more than this this crappy one. So what I learned with the gym one, if they give you one that sucks, it's better off because it doesn't contain the the air all that much and you can breathe a little bit normally with a with a shittier mask gotta be honest doesn't take a whole lot before i'm huffing and puffing and just the the uh the thought of doing that yeah the thought of doing that while i mean i'm also smoking cigarettes like within 30 minutes of coming back from the gym as a reward so i have some things to work out myself i'm just saying the uh i'm glad that you're doing it fine and i'll I'll probably go back to the gym now and just there's a lot of guys that have that have argued cigarettes right after a workout is you know, a lot of guys are into the amino acids, maybe some creatine, <laughs> uh, a couple, Science, couple, yeah. couple, couple reward darts. <laughs> I think I, I think I did see something on that out of Austria um, that people, people were like, no, this is actually a good thing. Yeah. Something, so, something European would definitely a European journal. Yeah. 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 It's yeah. like drinking red wine at dinner. It's the same thing. Cigarette after a workout. There you go. Good to go. I will say I'm the wrong person to ask about working out. So especially lifting. I'm not a big lifting guy. Shocker. Uh, but if you have any 
Peloton questions, hit me up. Your boy's uh, your boy's been doing some rides. Lately. Hey, so what's up with the girl? Is it Lovewell? She's from Martha's Vineyard. So everybody hits me up about this. Oh, girl. Emma? Is, it, is it Emma? Emma. Yeah, I've done some of her rides. She's pretty cool. I don't know much about her, but yeah. Phrase. Um, <laughs> I uh, everybody's asking me about her. And the thing is, for me, my vineyard run was very short. I basically went to high school there and then um, a couple summers when I was stuck without other summer options. And again, people say, like, why wouldn't you want to live in Martha's Vineyard during the summer? And you're like, well, when your family's there, it's different. It's, it's not it's not the same thing. Although, you know, for some, that should be the reason why you want to go home. But yeah, I keep hearing about her and everybody keeps hitting me up as if I know her. And I don't. I don't know her at all. But I'm proud of her. I can tell you that. <laughs> She's doing it for the vineyard. There's, a, there's like a weird group, though, I feel. Because Jillian Hall was somehow connected to the vineyard. Now we got a Peloton person. There's like a core. You, obviously. There's like a core of somewhat famous people that have come out of the vineyard. It's kind of unexpected. Yeah, but Jillian Hall is not like a vineyard native. Um, he just visited. He had a place. Yeah. His parents, I guess, at that point. His parents had a place. And it was it was, it was was kind of... I know the area. It's kind of this cool area. But... Um, Jill and my brother went up to him. Uh, I guess my brother ran into him and he said that he was my brother. <laughs> Jill and Hall pretended he knew me. He's like, oh, yeah, yeah. Ryan's a great guy. And I don't think there's any chance Jill and Hall would remember me from. But the thing is great that I never told the Jill and Hall story because I got two versions of the Jill and Hall story. One was that he was obsessed with my sister. And then my sister, who I was like, hey, he was obsessed. With She's like, no, I was into him. She's like, who said he was obsessed with me? And I was like, oh, our other sister. She's like, no, <laughs> you have that totally backwards. She was like, I was into him. So I was going to tell him a story. I'd be like, hey, dude, heard you're obsessed with my sister. And then he would have been like, this guy's a loser. <laughs> not, <laughs> the, not, like, not the story yeah. you wanted to lead with with Joan Hall. Although he is a cool dude, no. for sure. He was cool. But I always think like in those moments, like here, here's a perfect example. Like when Krasinski came in, Jim from The Office, and he was promoting like his first action movie, like he just transitioned. And I think for some people that was tough to be like, wait, Jim from the office who doesn't put a ton into his sales, like now is, he's like saving the Pentagon, you know? Like that's tough. We, we do a, we, we typecast everyone in life and we certainly do it with actors. We do it to each other too. But um, I, I wanted to interview him as Jim. But I I'd be that. like, I, yeah. And then I told him that I wanted to do it after. And he gave me such a like, oh, man, that would have been awesome. And it was such a that's fucking <laughs> terrible. And I'm so glad you didn't do that. Because I was just always trying to think of like, dude, like I I've contemplated asking every guest on this podcast a ridiculous question that only the audience knows what we're doing. So every guest we have will just ask him something so stupid that's wrong or doesn't make any sense. And it's only for the audience's enjoyment to hear the guest be like, what are you talking about? Knowing it's not going to go well. So the gym thing I would have thought was funny for the audience, but getting to know Krasinski a little bit in that moment, again, I'm not pretending I know him very short hit the way he responded to my idea after we had spent seven or eight minutes in a one-on-one -on -one interview. I was like, that would have been hilarious. Cause he would have hated it. Cause the whole premise was going to be like, do you keep in touch with any from the office? Like they got to be freaking out that you're doing these movies now. And then I'm like, how does Pam, like, you know, I didn't know that much about the Pam thing, but now Emily Blunt, like she's Pam's going to be like kicking herself. Right. And that was going to be the whole interview. And he would have hated it. He would have hated it. And I think the audience would have loved it. And it would have been super awkward. It probably would have been a more memorable interview than just like, so what's going on with, uh, you know, 13 hours. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what's up with this? You get a, Benghazi. Like, yeah. Looks like you get a gun. 
<laughs> Roy's in the mix. Because Roy was in that movie, too. The guy that played Roy. So there was a whole another line of questions. But like, it's kind of cool that you and Roy get along this well, that you guys are joining a special forces thing. Well, that one, it seems and, like you could have threw in there. Because it definitely um, had something to do with it. You could have thrown that one in there. Yeah. But these guys... Like, everybody does the same interview with him whenever they do the car wash. So I would be like, let's try to figure out something else. I mean, it was the same thing with the Matt Damon thing with Invictus, where we just started doing the Boston accents with him, and he actually liked it. Uh, so, whatever. All right, let's do one more email here. Mm, here we go. I don't know if this was worth it. All right, we'll give it a shot. Um, 23, 5, 8, 70 kilograms. That's 150 pounds. Personal best 53 free throws, uh, but can, can only bench 110 pounds. All right. He's New Zealand's biggest fan of going abroad. F1 corner, huge Ricardo guy. Recently got a new relationship. Awesome girl. She's super cute. Nice and fun to be around. We met at a university party and had an instant connection. The problem is she laughs too loud. And when I mean loud, we're talking Stephen A. Smith when she really gets going. At first, I didn't mind it, but over time, it's beginning to take its toll, especially in public. It came to a climax last night at Space Jam 2. The moment I realized I'd live long enough to see myself become the villain, the moment I realized I needed life advice. I'll be at a hilarious combination of... Um, La media, bad acting and overproduction. The movie had her in complete hysterics. Oh, so it wasn't just that she has a loud laugh. You couldn't stand the idea that she was laughing at Space Jam 2. That's a huge red I, flag. Yeah, I heard it was not great. So the La media thing. Oh, that's a little LeBron deal. I get it. Okay. Um, it's getting to the point where innocent patrons were turning around to see what the commotion was about. The problem is she doesn't really notice. People with loud laughs actually rarely know they have a obnoxious laugh. Um problem is she doesn't really notice and i don't have the heart to tell her considering she's such a bubbly person but in all honesty it can be unpleasant experience on the eardrums considering its tone and volume what do i do would love some input from kyle and saruti thanks mate make sure you take your own life advice and come to new zealand um he wanted to make sure we knew it wasn't a fake email so he sent a picture of himself great good love we were, that we were we were not sure but the picture we always love credentials good. I mean, my first thought is you can't bench 110. Why should you be breaking up with anyone because of their laugh? <laughs> but I know some people are going to like that. I'll admit that was the first thing I thought. Um, uh, you got you to ask yourself here, like, if this girl had a perfect laugh, would she be talking to you? Although laughing the whole time during Space Jam 2, I, I already know, so Rudy, you wouldn't. it didn't matter who it was. You couldn't do it, right? Uh, it would be probably a deal breaker. I watched the movie. First hour was atrocious. Second hour. You watched was, it? Yeah. Yep. That blows yep. my mind that you would watch Space Jam. Yeah. I kind of felt like I needed to be, you know, in the scene. Everybody was talking about it. I want to hear what, you know, and also it got like a 3.5 on IMDb and I'm a big IMDb guy when I like look for ratings and that's the lowest yeah. I've ever seen of any movie really. That wasn't like some indie weird film that was made in someone's backyard. Uh, that's out of a hundred. That's out of 10. Okay. <laughs> so 3.5. Like a good movie is probably around a six, six and a half, seven. Right. I think, you know, Interstellar is like an 8.5, 8.8. Best movie of all time. No big deal. Um, 3.5. So I, like, I got to see it. First movie or first hour was in, just an infomercial for LeBron. And it was, you know, I know we've, people accuse us of, of doing LeBron bashing on this podcast. It's not that. It was, just, it was just bad. It was really bad. It was LeBron pumping everything he had, every celebrity thing, everything he was connected to. It was all like flash and no substance. The second half of the movie, when they started actually playing basketball, the Looney Tunes got more involved. It was actually kind of funny. 
But I would say if someone, if I was dating someone and she really enjoyed Space Jam, I just, I don't think we can keep going. That would just be a complete deal breaker. But, but back to the laugh thing, I think, you know, I think a laugh can be a problem and it's probably going to be something that you're going to, you know, as you keep dating or eventually, you know, married, engaged, whatever later in life, it's, it's always going to annoy you, but it, there's probably something else there too that annoys you. It can't just be the laugh. It has to be something else with this girl that annoys you because that's, I feel like, you know, a laugh isn't something that, that you break up with someone over or stop dating someone over. It could be something that you don't continue dating someone over though. It's not like, um, you know, it's just like kind of like a, at the beginning of the race, it sort of just stops you. I think, I mean, I've said before on this on this segment that um, it's really hard to find somebody that you're dating that doesn't drive you crazy. And I think this kind of qualifies as something that drives you crazy. And it doesn't mean that it, there's anything wrong with her. It might be that there's something wrong with you that you, it, it bothers you, but like know yourself, dude. Like probably don't. Also, yeah, I did watch Space Jam and I, and I actually, two nights ago, I watched the first Space Jam just to make sure I wasn't overreacting. Space Jam 2 is really bad. Wow. Space Jam 2, just taking it on the chin here. Although Saruti gave it a, a higher higher amount of praise than I would have expected. I, I think, um, you know, first of all, the idea that you're going to find somebody that's like, there's nothing about the other person that annoys you. And again, annoys might be too strong a word, but I think there are always going to be a couple things that you wish, like, that's, that's how we're different, right? In that, um, like, oh, this is this is kind of a weird habit here. You know what I mean? Like somebody that constantly sends food back. Like you could like everything about the person, and it's like, oh, she sends food back fifty percent of the time. And I usually like a, usually the food back thing. There's there's more to that though. That's that's more of a personality type thing. A laugh is just a laugh. You know, it's it's. I don't know if that says anything else about who this person is. I'll send a steak back. Picky eater. I am. Pick eater. You know what you like. I get it. Well, just some of the restaurants, like on the higher end steak deal, like they try to prove some point by going much rarer than you want. You know, and I'm not like a medium rare guy. I'm not. I, I need it cooked a little bit. You know, I'm not I, medium. I'm not medium well. You know, but I uh, I want to cook a little bit. Sometimes some places. So I don't know. Maybe I've been on a date. So she was like, oh, really cool, super hot, so successful, very popular, amazing personality, really has his shit together. Sends food back. Wait, you would do that on a first date? Uh, well, I don't play? even know what if that is I don't a, even know what a what a first date a lot, would be. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't even really know what a first date would be for me. So usually there's like, well, we're not going to get into any of that. But um, I'm surprised as a below deck guy that you would send food back. Would you see how much trauma that causes those chefs? <laughs> but whatever. Guess you've been in the game a while. I think sending a steak back when it comes out bloody and you wanted it medium. I, I think that's that's totally fair, especially when you, you know. But again, some people could be listening to this, being like, "Hey, I was cool with Ryan. Now I'm not anymore. Now I'm not, and that's all right. That's all right. We're not we're not all made for each other here." Um, I, the other thing I would ask this guy is like, "Do you do this a lot? Do you date women that every time something comes up, you know, like a Seinfeld episode here, where Jerry, the, the whole joke of that show was that Jerry would always find something wrong." with everyone he was dating the entire time. Um, and that could be something there too. Look, if the laugh sucks and other people are watching and it's a disaster, I don't know, but it's kind of weird. Like there can be things when you start to like fall in love and you care about somebody a lot, you can then find it endearing. And then as soon as you break up, you're gonna be like, oh, her laugh is so fucking annoying. I hated that, you know? But there's weird, there's weird like pheromone things that go on once you really become connected to the person that the little things that annoy you at some point, you can actually be, find like you know 
I wouldn't call them positives, but you end up thinking it's Q as opposed to not being able to stand it. So there you go. Congrats on the free throw. So thank you to Kyle Crichton and uh, Saruti here on the podcast. So we have um, a different plan this week too. I think, what are we going to do? Release just some draft stuff on Wednesday and, and into Thursday morning. So Wednesday well, uh, early, night deal. Early Wednesday morning. Okay, early Wednesday morning. We'll do a bunch of draft stuff. And then Thursday night, I'm going to be doing... I don't know if it's going to be like while the first round is on, Kyle. Apparently, that's what we're going to do with Bill. We're just trying to figure out the logistics of all of it. Yeah, and I'm catching a flight at midnight that night, so it'll be really stressful. <laughs> Where are you going? Going back to New York. Two weeks, baby. Two weeks. Look out Look out! state parks and local parks. And the border, maybe. Who knows? Shout out. Yeah, and the border. <laughs> <laughs> all right, we'll talk to you guys on Wednesday. Thank you.